Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Uh, Izzy is the uh, textbook definition of a hot mess. She wakes up from a hangover, from a one-night stand, puts her stained clothes on from the night before and plans just another aimless day. That is until she finds out that her ex is getting ready to celebrate his engagement to her former best friend. Uh, Izzy has to make it to the other side of town to break them up, and nothing will stand in her way, and by God, that's true. Uh, So that is the setup to this film, Izzy Gets the F Across Town. We're joined today by the director and writer of the film, Izzy Gets the F Across Town, and that would be Christian Pop Hearneck. Well, congratulations on the film. It, it, it is a lot of fun. I call it a kinetic kind of comedy, but there's a lot of pathos in it. There are a lot of different things, and it has got a remarkable cast. It's just a really well-done, independent uh, film, and um, I'm just very curious where this idea for uh, Izzy Gets the F Across Town came from. Well, thanks for all the nice words. I, I certainly appreciate that. Um, and especially, you know, <clears throat> like you said, when you're doing independent film, it is, you know, a, a crushingly difficult endeavor. Um, so anytime you feel like you've kind of got it done and people go, oh, I, I, I kind of like it, you're like, oh, God, you know, mission accomplished. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, and this was a this is a movie that um, was, just to get some background on, on some of the other pieces before I get into the, the sort of genesis of the characters that, you know, this is a movie that was done basically for one hundred fifty, hundred sixty thousand dollars over sixteen days. Yeah. Um, wow. So it was a very like you know it, this was a very much a you know nineties indie film in that sense where it's like okay you have no money and you got to kind of run and gun it and make it work and um, so that's kind of why we not I don't think initially we wanted to the aesthetic just kind of developed over time we're like okay that, that's sort of what the money and budget we have so let's kind of let's kind of dive into that and kind of lean into what that movie is. So we kind of sort of tried to occupy that spirit of those kind of movies. Um, but back to your original question, which is um, about the character. I, I think I've been, I've been dealing with this character for the better part of a decade. Um, you know, I just have, you know, the way I write is I have ideas for characters in my mind mm-hmm. um, in different places and, and they'll kind of just end up in different stories somewhere, you know, I'll just kind of, I'm very character driven, so I'll just come with a lot of different characters. I'll start brainstorming things, not necessarily for, you know, maybe I'll come up with the idea for Izzy, the character, from some other project I'm working on, and then that'll sort of get, I'll be like, well, it doesn't work here, but maybe I'll, I'll use that somewhere else, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. When you're a writer, you have all kinds of different files and, you know, cocktail napkins with scribbles <laughs> on them, you know, things yeah. like that. So Izzy came for this idea I had just of this girl in a white tuxedo that was bloody and with some wine on it, and she's sitting in the back of a taxi cab. And I was just like, you know, by herself. And I was like, well, is that the beginning of a movie? Is that the end? Yeah. You know, I don't know. And I could never really quite get the character to fit somewhere. But then it just kind of kept sticking in my mind as something that I was really interested in. And um, eventually it came to the right time where I was like, okay, well, this seems like the story for it. Um, it seemed a lot more interesting as the beginning rather than the end. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, because the obvious idea is to go like, well, that's the end. You know, you see the reason why she, all these things end up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I sort of went the opposite direction. Well, well, there's a lot of tradition, a lot of great tradition of filmmakers setting up, setting you up with what looks like an ending, 
to to yeah. the beginning of a story. And it, those I love those because it is it, it becomes this constant you know, this question like yeah how did that happen and 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 it 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 immediately draws you in. I guess that's a better way of putting it. It draws you into a story. It draws you into a character. And well, there's something to that. I mean, you know, just to, to, not to jump on you there, yeah. but it's like uh, you know, it's one of those things where I think Sam Shepard was. I think I saw him talking about this when he's talking about writing plays. He's he was trying to kind of jump into the middle of a story versus you know a lot of times he'll come at the beginning of an idea of a story and be like, okay, well that's probably not where I should start it. Yeah, I should sort of kind of let that be the backstory and then kind of jump into what I originally thought would be the middle of the story because then the audience is kind of jumping into something that's already got a lot of things going on. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think it's sort of a little bit of you know strategy I kind of like to look at as well myself. Well, then and then it in in some ways it, then it gives all the supporting characters uh, a way for you as a writer to fill in the beginning of the story through sure. them. Yeah, yeah. It allows right. them to be the the vehicle rather than doing kind of a more uh, deliberate co- uh, approach. You now you've got something you can hand off to your support characters, and they can they can do all that work as well. Right? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, well, was this film always intended to to, to be in Los Angeles? Be- because I'll just say right up front, you did a really good job of for someone who has been around Los Angeles for a long time. You did a nice job of pulling out a lot of the interesting uh, and and somewhat iconic, not. Totally iconic, but certainly interesting. And if people are familiar with Los Angeles, they will immediately recognize a fair amount of the of the, the setups in in the film. Uh, thanks. Yeah. I, um, well, it's, it's one of those things. I think it's um, yeah. It was always the L.A. movie. Um, originally, the movie was just going to be something that because I've been doing studio projects for a long time, um, pilots, and uh, and um, and I've done a lot of studio rewrite work over the years, and um, and so I just got frustrated over time just with you know, things not really, my name not being on projects or the pilots not getting made for this reason or that. So I was just like, you know, we've got to make a movie. You know, it's just, we've got to do something. You know, I just can't continue to go down this path of just, you know, my voice being sort of stifled in sort of some sort of corporate washing machine, you know? <laughs> um, not that I feel like my voice is some sort of like essential American voice that has to be heard, but all, you know, it's like yeah. for your own, like sort of life story. You're just like, I, I can't have this be the end of my story. It's just like, uh, you know, working for studios forever. And it's like, uh, well, there you go. That's it. You know? And it just sort of becomes this thing where you just, it eats away at you. And, um, so we had this idea to make this movie and, you know, I wrote it specifically to be very low budget. Um, because initially the idea was to have Izzy be played by somebody that was a friend of ours. You know, uh, we know a lot of actors. My wife and I produced the movie together, uh, with Mackenzie and, and, um, you know, she was in casting. So, you know, we know a lot of actors and things like that. People would be good for this kind of thing. So we're like, okay, well, let's get one person to be in the whole movie, and we can shoot it over a series of weekends. So we could get a friend to be play Izzy, and then, you know, the other people were just would basically be asking, hey, you, you're in it for a, a weekend, you know, or a day over a weekend, you know, right. uh, this month or whatever, you know. So we'd spread it out over time so we wouldn't have to raise all the money at once and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it was, there'd be, there's logistical challenges to that. Like you'd have to get a cinematographer to be okay to sort of spread their schedule out. And, right. you know, could you manage that with, with, with rentals and things? But, um, there was certainly a way to do it. So we were kind of toying with that idea. So it was always written with that, I, with that sort of purpose in mind. Um, obviously when Mackenzie came on board, things changed pretty drastically. Yeah. Um, it still was obviously a very low budget movie. Um, but that was sort of the idea, and it was always an LA movie. You know, I'm I'm a transplant, you know, from San Francisco. So, you know, 
especially growing up in San Francisco, um, funny enough, I'm, I'm doing the interview from San Francisco right now, uh, you hate L.A. Yeah. You know, it's like something that's born and bred within you, and then the sort of reverse is interesting that people that are from L.A. are always like, oh, San Francisco, I love it, it's fantastic. <laughs> you know, and we're always like, fuck that place, you know, there's plenty of bunch of phonies and shit you know <laughs> sorry you gotta bleep me out on this um, <laughs> but you know so i come to la i really was like just hated it for so long part of it just like sort of your like propaganda training but also just it never really felt like a place that felt like home to me and i think izzy's a lot of that younger version of myself first being in la just being like i really hate it here and everything that's going on in my life isn't working and so she's going through a lot of that stuff that somebody in their sort of mid-late 20s has to deal with, yeah. um, just obviously in a more extreme version. You know, but I'm, I'm trying to ultimately tell a story that I think is relatable to most people in that time in their life when they're trying to figure things out. Yeah. You know, yeah. her, I get, like I said, her story is extreme to that, but I think if you sort of boil it down to its sort of basics, it's, it's a very common sort of, you know, coming of age, you know, I, oh, I don't yeah. want to re- oh, reduce yeah. it to a quarter life crisis thing, but you know, it's yeah. like sort of like that thing. Yeah, and it's interesting because I've grown. I was born in Los, essentially Los Angeles, Long Beach, and I've yeah. been here my whole life. And oh. and that's interesting because I have a. I'll call it a love-hate relationship with Los Angeles. I yeah. I hate having to go into the city because I'm now outside of it, but I, but there's so much to be drawn from it. Yeah, uh, and and the fact that it is. And I admire it for being such a multicultural stew, yeah. Yeah. but at the same time, navigating it, getting around it. And I mean, in, in essence, this is a film about I can't get from one side of town to the other. While this yeah. is an extreme example, this is a common experience for people who yeah. live in Los Angeles. So yeah. it kind of yeah. plays on that idea a bit. But it, it at the same time, I have this love-hate. I love to go into the city to see things and to be able to be exposed to art and all the rest of it. But, yeah. but I also hate it. And, and it's funny. It's funny. Almost everyone I know who is from Los Angeles loves the Bay Area. So it, it is yeah. kind of yeah. funny. It yeah. is true. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Well, you know. Well, it's this, yeah, well, it's this thing. It's like where you, you know, it's just so defined by, you know, this, this, it's, you know, it's like, yeah, we're sort of fine by these Southern California, Northern California cliches in some ways that we kind of get trapped into them. And, you know, really, all, and honestly, LA was not, it's so much better now than it was a decade ago. Yeah. You know, it's somewhat, so much more, I feel like there's a lot more going on. Yeah. And it's a lot more accessible in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, the funny thing is with this movie, is that some people that don't like the movie get really caught up on that. Like, why, why does he sneak an Uber? Or why does he take the Metro? Or <laughs> it's like, if you, if you know, if you really know LA, you're like, oh, I'm not, who, if you go on the Metro, it's just homeless people sleeping and pooping. <laughs> That's a legitimate truth. No, I know. You know, mm-hmm. and then it's the Uber thing. Okay, fine, whatever. We're kind of just a little retro, so I don't want to do the Uber. But I mean, the transfer thing in the movie is just, is really just a metaphor yeah. more than anything else. It's like, if you caught up on the fact that she's, really should just take an Uber, then you really shouldn't be watching this movie anyway. You know, <laughs> right, like that's right. really yeah. your problem. If, yeah, if you're gonna, your problem. yeah, exactly right. I hate that when people get, they, they want to pick apart every little thing. I, it's Don't you enjoy movies? Don't you just enjoy the experience? Don't you want to just yeah. sit there and enjoy yeah. what it is? If this yeah. is where you're, where you're spending your time, you're not really a good film goer. So uh, I agree with yeah. you. Uh, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Christian Popiernak. Uh, thank you. Yeah. And, uh, and he is the writer and director of this really fun film called Izzy Gets the Epic across town it is playing all over los angeles it's playing at 
the Lemley Monica in Santa Monica, the Lemley Playhouse 7 in Pasadena, the Edwards Town Center right across the street from where I'm sitting in Irvine. It's playing at the AMCs in Fullerton, Ontario Hills. Ontario Mills, is that it right? Uh, Puente Hills and Rolling Hills. So there's a whole bunch of places to see it. Great cast, and we I do want to touch on that. But Kenzie Davis, who is in the in the Blade Runner reboot, she's in uh, she's a real really really solid actress who's been around now, uh, making her way. Lake Keith uh, Stanfield, who is in everything. Well, now, right? well don't forget Mackenzie's now the uh, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. uh, she's now the face of the Terminator franchise. Well, so. there you go. See, I wow, is it wow? That's, that, that's her next. Uh, yeah, she's currently in uh, Europe shooting Terminator. Oh so. my gosh! Yeah, she's uh, on to the next level. We've also got uh, Haley um, Haley Joel Osment, and one of my favorite actresses. Now she seems to be getting a lot more play. Is uh, Aaliyah Shawkat is, yeah. is really, and in my opinion, really just jumps out of the screen in this film is Carrie Coon. She yeah. she and the interaction between her and Mackenzie just really really works. Yeah, yeah, and uh, she's just really terrific, and a whole bunch of Annie Potts is in it. And she is currently on in the hit television show The Young Sheldon, so the, you know she is. Thank you. She is relevant to a uh, common uh, popular audience. Well, we know her from Ghostbusters. Yeah, and she's terrific. By the way, she's a, you know all of these people have their moment. This is a movie yeah. that reminds me, it kind of structurally, and also in this sort of sense of frustration of After Hours, the Scorsese film. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. everyone there's just like a these little bits and pieces of people in these in this film in this and as well as yours and they all have a way of sort of getting getting someone somewhere whether or they're yeah. an impediment or not it it so there structurally it has that sort of feel so if people are familiar with Scorsese's after hours one of his most underrated films uh you'll know what I'm talking about so um, yeah and that and that tries to capture kind of the vibe of you know what is it Tribeca or wherever it is in 1980s for right. you know New York, you know, and I think we're doing similar thing. I we're trying to do something that's a little bit more timeless. I think it's not really trying to capture L.A. at this exact moment in time. It's more just like okay, this is just kind of an L.A. feeling, you know, more right. of a sort of like almost like operating on a bigger metaphor. Right. But yeah, I think the, the comparison certainly apt. Yeah. So uh, oh, the bus. You know that there was a kind of a reoccurring thing about. And we've sort of talked about it, but it kept popping up in the in the in the film when when one of the characters say, "Well, why don't you just take the bus?" and she would just. Sort of this running joke. Are you kidding? Yeah. Take the bus. Oh, I'm sorry. That was probably not a great question. Nobody but, takes the bus in LA. Yeah, nobody yeah. takes the bus in LA. Um, yeah. Well, now, based on the reaction, I mean, the reaction to the film's been very good. Uh, and now uh, the, this is your your breakaway indie kind of uh, film uh, project. Uh, are, you, are there more? Is there more that you're going to do now that you feel like you've <laughs> dipped your toe no, in this one? That I'm retired. I'm I'm riding off to the sunset. Yeah, no. five dollars I've made <laughs> off this movie. Uh, no, I uh, yeah, certainly yes. I am I am I'm working on my next project currently. Um, I'm actually just finishing a script. You know, the interesting thing here is I, I don't know how much you want to get the sort of business side of this, but you know, when I when I finished this movie, I was really excited about it because you know everybody around me was kind of telling me it's really great, and I I. You know, I don't. I didn't. It didn't feel sycophantic. You know, I wasn't like, okay, well, they're lying to me. You know, I was like, I'm really, I'm really always very like, very suspicious of people. So um, when they tell me it's good, so I, um, so it all feels good. I went to the first sales agency that I went to um, was a sales agency that somebody really suggested to me and said, I think it's a perfect company for you. It's a great fit. Um, and so I went to the company and I had the company call me back and said, Hey, listen, I love this movie really great um and i think you're going to do really well with it i can't take this on because i don't think it's going to make me enough money mm-hmm. 
um, because I just don't think that the sort of ceiling for this kind of movie is high. But he said, you know, the thing you need to do next is just take your voice. You're, you're the kind of filmmaker you are, and then transplant it into a genre piece. Yeah. I was like, wow, it's just, it's just really that simple. It is all genre. It's just that simple. <laughs> I mean, you really can't escape it as much as you, as you, as you try to. It's just this sort of black hole thing where you're like, all right, well, the next thing's got to be a genre movie. So I've been working on a genre movie. Oh, fantastic. Well, again, it's the energy. It's the, it's the ability to attract this level of talent, to be able to utilize them in ways that are – they fit the story. They, they are fit the sort of the general overall feel of the film. Uh, yeah. Those are great qualities for any director. And I, that just sounds like solid advice, actually. So Yeah. yeah. No, it is solid advice. And it's something to take on. And if you want to do a little bigger budget and get it like to sort of the next level, I think you have to kind of do those things. And, yeah, I mean, I think on the business end of things, too, when you write a piece of material and you crack this kind of uh, level of actors, um, it, it, it bodes well because you get, you get people saying, well, your, your material can attract named talent, which is always sort right. of a beneficial thing. Right. Um, so, you know, I... You know, I'm I'm very fortunate to to have that experience here, which which was great. So. Amen. That's, it's really about leverage, really. And yeah. if you're talking business side of this, it's about leverage. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and it's, it's, yeah. and it's, they all feed together, right? You have to write a good script for in order for people to want to be in it, right? Because um, we obviously didn't offer them any money. I mean, this was under qualified under SAG ultra low budget, so we had um, you know everybody's getting ultra low budget prices. We all, everybody got a little bit of the back end. So yeah. that's sort of whatever he was basically working towards. Yeah. Well. Well. Congratulations. Uh, and and Thank uh, you. yeah, I really en- enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. Mackenzie's terrific. It's a great supporting cast. It's a fun Thank story. You. And if you have anything to do with Los Angeles, it's completely relatable on just on that level alone. And uh, but it's but it's more than that. And um, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll come back. I, I, I mean, with your, with your genre film. And uh, th- next time you'll have more than 16 days to do. That's crazy. That is nuts right. what you're talking about. All right. All right. Well, uh, Christian, thank you. Again, the film is uh, Izzy Gets the F Across Town. We've been speaking to the writer and the director, and that would be Christian Paul Piranak. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.